welcome to one more episode of the State of Retention Marketing podcast. This is your host Ankur and today I'm having a conversation with Samyukta. She's been a consumer marketer for the last 16 odd years. Spent a whole bunch of time with companies like Unilever, Baskin Robbins and most recently Kaya. Thank you so much for doing this Samyukta. Great Thank to have you. you here. Thank you Ankur for having me. Awesome. So well, of course I did a quick intro but it would be super interesting to just have your journey from your own lens. How how's it played out? Sure. So um I think yeah, I'm one of those few marketers who've been lucky. I started my journey with uh, paints, with Asian paints. Um, post that, I actually got to work very closely with uh, Deepa Soman, who's one of the leading qual researchers of India. So okay. I actually got to learn ethnography studies and in-depth qual research. You know, in terms of um, so my entire love for consumer insights kind of I owe it to Deepa That's big time. Um, after that is when I got my first break into marketing with Padli. And uh, that's where I worked on uh, some very classic brands like Fruity and Appy. I also did my wow. first innovation during that stint, which was launch of a product called Lovely Chi sure. in the northeastern geographies of India. Um, I then worked at Unilever in the global Vaseline team, um, and then with Lakme. And on both those stints, I think I was very lucky because uh, I got to be part of rewriting the brand keys. Which rarely happens in of the course. life of a marketer. So, in both those stints, I was very lucky that I got to be part of a team that uh, actually rewrote the history for both the sure. brands. Um, post that, I was in a very differentiated role with Abbott, where it was a horizontal role, uh, working with everybody from the MD of the organization to the pharmaceutical sales rep acro across nine different business units, three hundred okay. brands. So, wow. very very interesting to be part of the marketing mm. and creative excellence team. Um, and then my final two stints uh, as head of marketing, well, first for Baskin Robbins and then for Kaya. So. Of course. Awesome. So very different hats in some sense if you want. In, in, in real terms, if the categories have changed substantially, there's perhaps Vaseline is still close to personal care as Kaya yeah. might be. How do you connect the dots across these journey points? What are the common linkages, if there are any? Lots, lots. I think uh, one key thing, and I think I learned this very early on in my career is this whole thing of uh, why the consumer needs to be at the core of everything that we do, right? Um, I mean, the consumer is where either there's a problem or there's a desire or there's a need state or there's a want. Um, the closer you kind of, you know, are to your consumer, the more you're observing, the more you're listening, uh, the more you're hearing what they are saying, uh, the more closely you're watching, uh, the more you kind of know what they're looking for. And you can okay. kind of tailor everything that you're doing in terms of, you know, what they require. So I don't think that changes because sure. it's the same person who's waking up in the morning using that toothpaste, you know, then going to work. I mean, it, it doesn't change. So, yeah, I mean, consumer, I mean, as cliched as it might sound, as basic as it might sound, I think I understand now fully. I think after 16 years, I can safely say I understand why consumer is the king. Fair enough. You know, so that also would probably make me wonder what has changed in these 16 years because the world has gone a lot more digital. The consumer personas have probably yeah. become more diverse. The whole art of storytelling, the way it used to be done earlier, where you would talk about SEC women, SEC A women in tier two cities who are young mothers who want to send, let's say, something in their kids' defense. Now that's a the definition of a segment. Now that becomes somewhat different in the world we are in today. The ability to talk to different social different customers becomes slightly more available to as a brand marketer. How do you deal with this world? I think uh, one, uh, with every generation comes its own set of challenges, of course. own set of opportunities. And um, 
I think the good part about our roles as marketers, advertisers, you know, media professionals is um, again the need to kind of really understand the socio-cultural, economic, uh, psychology of the new generation yeah. that we're kind of dealing with, so mm. to speak. So, for example, if, uh, you know, when I was at Baskin Robbins, the need state was to kind of understand millennials, especially okay. younger millennials mm. and what they're doing and uh, why why they're interacting or why they're not interacting and, you know, what's getting them going, what's completely putting them off, um, their triggers, barriers, motivation, etc. And we kind of, you know, played to that and digitized the brand so as to kind of, you know, ensure that we're there where they are there. Mm. Hmm. Uh, with Kaya, we had to understand Gen Zs because we realized that it was that population that uh, understood the brand, actually knew the brand, but wasn't really interacting with the brand. Okay. So it was a completely different uh, conundrum. One thing that we understood was um, that young people, and when I say young people, I'm talking about the Gen Zs. Gen Z. I'm no longer yeah. talking about the millennials. That's right. Um, actually played back saying that white coat behind closed doors big technology, must be painful, must be very expensive. And I should be having some real skin hair problems for me to come to a brand like this. Sure. Uh, which means, but I know that the quality must be fantastic. So later on in life, when I achieve a certain life stage and start earning a certain amount of money, this will definitely be my port of call, but okay. right now not for me. And that's when we realized that there is a definite uh, problem in the way the brand was being perceived because our customers, and I know you guys are so much into retention and you know all of that. Right. Our customers are up there when it comes to loyalty because okay. they've grown up with the brand. So right. someone who came as a 17, 18 year old into the brand was now 34, 35 and had been with us very loyally. Sure. And that's very rare. It doesn't yeah, happen in most cases. It doesn't happen. Category, right? Exactly. People tend to flirt around a lot They more. do. But in a case like this, when you have your dermat at the core of everything and, you know, you're witnessing results, you're putting in so much of your time, effort, money into something like this, uh, then you will not switch. You know, it's not as frivolous as a product. It's a lot more involved as a decision. Very, very, be. very, very. very. Yeah, okay. And it's an investment. These are the customers who or clients who understand that my skin is an investment. My beauty is an investment. Also, degree of consistency uh, that will be reaping incremental benefits because if you abandon halfway through and go elsewhere, you'll probably lose the benefits you've gained. Correct. Correct. In some sense, it's also the trust in the brand that they've given you results so far. So you very high. Engage. Very, yeah. very, very high. I would love to double click a little bit into you're doing it across a certain number of stores. Yeah. With a certain quantum of staff. Was doing. Of course. Yeah. You've done this at a certain scale yeah. and a certain quantum of staff. How does the orchestration of something that complex happen? So it's not, honestly, not that complicated mm. uh, because again, in a case like this, the need obviously to automate, the need to have these, uh, you know, conversational AI-led conversations, the need to do predictive analysis, the need to then ensure that we are constantly engaging and nudging with them and not with this one-size-fit-all kind of communication. And sure. I think that's where um, I think automation dashboards, you know, mm. getting the right kind of analytics can play a very big role. And that's really where the journey mm. uh, was when, you know, we were trying to kind of put all of Make those all of metrices happen. in yeah. place. Uh, because for us, our loyalty program had always been there and it had always been doing well for us. But now it needed to be kind of taken to the next level. Because sure. the minute we did this entire space of let's talk to the younger customers, uh, we needed to ensure that we did it not at the cost of existing customers of because 
this whole journey of saying I'm acquiring new, but I can't be doing it at the cost of losing. I need to do acquire and, and retain with the same balance, right? From a brand lens, you have two different audiences they're going to talk to, and they'll probably resonate better with two different messages. Yeah. How do you deal with this dichotomy? Is this something which will manifest itself in uh, the way you come across different media? For instance, you have a lot of in-store media. How you come across there? You would have a lot of brand collaterals across, let's say, outdoor media or print media or other kind of media. And then we have a whole bunch of digital, which 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 has very clear room to kind of separate out that this ad is targeted to this audience and this ad is targeted to this audience. How does it manifest over there? So I'll I'm going to do a little bit of storytelling here sure, and go back means. in time a little bit. Yeah. Um, so one key insight that I received when I did my study with the brand hmm. uh, was very very clear that the brand had always been inclusive from the time it had been manifested. Uh, we'd always had men coming into the clinic. It had always been a brand that was safe, inclusive, honest, authentic. Uh, the problem was those narratives and those conversations had not been put out. So it's almost like having a Mona Lisa at home and then nobody really knows about it. Sure. It was almost that we were sitting hmm. on a golden egg like that. Uh, what we really did was we took a very brave step in saying that if the brand is truly inclusive, which it was, and imagine being inclusive at the ground level. It doesn't yeah. really happen. Sure. Um, and to think that the Gen Z tenet of, you know, living and life is about being inclusive, is about being honest and authentic, is not about labels. It's about just being real and sure. as real as possible. Um, you're like, okay, that's just perfect. So when we uh -huh. turned 18 as a brand, we did a campaign called Kaya Turns 18. And we actually, so this is where my, you were asking me the, how I connected the dots. All mm. my brand, you know, creation journeys, recreation right. journeys on Vaseline and Lakme um, held me in very good stead when we did the new brand key for Kaya mm. uh, with purpose at the heart because the purpose was organic. It was not so, something that was, that had to be force-fitted yeah. from anywhere. It came from the legacy that was pre-existing in the brand. Mm. Um, which is rare because in the brand key that's the roots you know and you kind of to start consistent with something like that is also hard it's yeah and it's beautiful but because the brand's done it very very successfully hmm. and that's where we started and then we realized that uh, you know like you rightly said there was a lot of conversation in terms of saying that what should be the look and feel what should be the tonality what should be the persona you know of the brand not yeah. of my consumers sure. because the consumers were 18 year old to an 80 year old literally Correct. we have people across the spectrum you know you talk so much about lifetime, lifetime value, value insane, this right? hits all the boxes and like as I'm perfectly sure. as possible and then we realize that inclusivity honesty is something that you know some some generations are living it some generations want to do it some generations look up to it secretly and say wow i wish i was like that but it it ticks boxes yeah. with everybody it kind of sure. makes sense to everybody okay um, so that's where we kind of did this, you know, saying that and everybody wanted that breath of fresh air in terms of, you know, from the look and feel perspective, real people. So we yeah. didn't shoot with any models even okay. when we did. So the whole campaign is not even a campaign, it's a brand purpose sure. that's here to stay now. It's called Beautiful is You. So if uh, Angur, I were to tell you, you are beautiful, it's a tad condescending. As opposed to if I were to say beautiful is you, you okay. kind of embody what beautiful stands for from your lens. Sure. I'm not boxing you. I'm not giving you a benchmark. More positive. Sounding. It's very positive and it's and it's you. Like you define, you want to do 100 things in order to look mm. 10 years younger, your own self younger, you know, not anybody else's benchmark. It's your beauty. It's your, you decide. 
you don't want to do anything you want to maintain status quo again you decide because okay. another insight was that clients did not want to tell anyone they would show their gucci and their prada but they wouldn't tell anyone that i'm going in for a botox and a filler sure you know so there needed to be also a lot of awareness and we realized that as a market leader as a number one brand or the you know that ever even created a category like aesthetic dermatology it kind of became our uh, responsibility to normalize these conversations you know about okay. saying yeah i'm getting it done and i'm getting it done because it's the best thing possible and it's easy it's safe and that's where we also started using our uh, dermats and we actually coined the term called skin influencers and they okay. started then doing a lot of these reels and you know youtube shots etc and we started pushing those out even in our performance crm communication hmm. we started using that exclusively in terms of how do we so kind of create video content the whole subject of completely and normalize it there's no yeah. nothing to hide and in fact it's something that uh, that's flaunt worthy just as everything else in your life is this is also something that you should be talking about you know, it's kind of funny because just earlier today i was having a conversation with somebody from the insurance industry turns out people who are insurance brokers don't feel particularly a great sense of pride in that profession so one of the things they did was to actually put holdings up or congratulating the top performers in that particular profession and suddenly these people would come with their families to break coconuts and then we were proud of their nice. job profile so what's very interesting is the common thread around adding prestige to the situation where yeah. otherwise it's a bit of a taboo correct and then suddenly you have a lot more acceptance a lot more resonance and then life changes for a lot of people yeah yeah so you know what would be very interesting is to understand that in terms of putting all this information out there uh what you're selling to uh, let's say 50 year old or a 20 year old or a yeah. 15 year old how does that manifest because are these you know you found something which resonates with everybody in yeah. some sense which is a great let's say situation because then you don't have to worry about alienating one audience Correct. in favor of the other Correct. you had that situation where yeah. deal with two audiences so how does these situations manifest from content lens and also yeah. from a distribution lens so i'll pick up the content lens first because um, huge believer in organic huge believer in brand building and content um so for us what we started doing which had never been done before was generational content and when i say okay. generational content um we actually started then for mothers day calling inviting two generations together okay which we'd never done before and not necessarily mothers and daughters but anyone who shares a relationship that's akin to it okay similarly on fathers day we never spoken to men before so of course we did the you know men's day campaign and all of that we did you know mm-hmm. november and all of that uh but beyond that we also started doing so if mothers day became a one week campaign so to speak and it had like a 360 lens in terms of you know d2c e-commerce uh on social performance crm and in clinic we started then doing that for fathers day as well where we okay. started then inviting and then we also went into the segregation of the kind of services and products that we had to offer uh which was very specific to a particular cohort or a persona right so the messaging did not change the messaging in terms of the look feel so i we kind of went back to the drawing board of saying that all those years ago like you said 15 years ago when i started we always started with a key visual saying that this is my brand this is my key visual this is my thematic and this is my imc hmm. we have literally run it that way on digital as well okay. saying that nothing can change simply because um it's a little shocking when brands start talking different languages on different platforms because sure. then you're wondering even as a as a consumer what's happening yeah, you know where did the brand get lost suddenly sure. and 
how can it be a little you still have to have a degree of cohesion and let's say consistency and coherence you have to no you have to. i yeah, mean i don't i don't know about no, the marketing articulation but yeah you know, fair to expect a degree of consistency and as a yeah. consumer also if you start to let's say mixed up about a brand and i have seen case studies of brands which have tried to be multiple things over you multiple can't, years you can't and that just sucks because then the user also doesn't resonate with it yeah yeah and that consistency across every platform is very critical to of course when you're doing crm your messaging can be about you know somebody who stopped coming because i shut down a clinic somewhere or my clinic moved from uh, say you know from juhu to say lokhandwala sure. hmm. um that messaging can be based on my persona and yeah. you know my analytics and dashboards uh, i can then tailor that messaging but that messaging tone of voice that messaging Correct. visual hmm. has to still be you know the in main. sync with what the mother brand has been defined absolutely performance may up clickbait karo do a bogo do a 10% off it's fine but sure. even that language we ensured that there is a certain language there are certain words hmm. that becomes very very critical because people are people and a brand is a person at the end sure. of the day a brand personifies and stands for something you don't want to come across as somebody too desperate to this to that whatever so across no. all of your content that you're articulating it yeah. would become very critical to make sure it's basically the same person talking right yeah, across the consistency whoever. it mm. can't like kaya has to be kaya no matter where kaya goes and kaya so. can tell you different things in different places but will say it as kaya not as you of know course. can't become somebody else so in different the places the bandra you know one of the fun factors about our life and in conversation this we deal with different kinds of people who are in the driving seat for some of these engagements so the technical thing you know when it comes to a travel company for example yeah. the whole cross sell that happens between booking a ticket and mm. i get traveling maybe you want to buy seats maybe you want to buy insurance buy a cab whatever it's a very technical very tactical very let's say objective thing to do there's no storytelling there there's no brand play there it's a yeah it's a transactional kind of relationship and that works out perfectly okay from the product ecosystem this yeah. is the people who are engineers slash product yeah. managers who understand customer journeys and funnels extremely well yeah. and they're able to do a great job at automating some of this yeah. making the most roi out of these situations at the same time we have the other end of the spectrum which are marketers they don't yeah. care about automation they don't care about much else what they do care about substantially is the consistency of how the brand has to come across hmm. and that's where uh, we see a lot of interesting uh, lessons also getting applied to whatever the uh, automation has to happen it still has to make sure the whole storytelling is very consistent in hmm. nature hmm. so i think where we found the most amazing outcomes perhaps is where these two things talk perfectly nicely to each other correct because you go this end of the spectrum you become inefficient because correct. you start saying the same thing to a large audience correct and you don't become sensitive to the uh, history of the person right so what we've understood and you just described yourself as people come in at different age brackets right people come in different genders people come at different let's say uh, starting points of their journey in terms of the therapies or the kind of treatments they're going through and this is all very individualized in nature yep. which means the kind of journey they'll have with your brand also yep. be very unique right Correct. so if i've gotten x done today i might done get done y tomorrow and z day after tomorrow what's interesting is the fact that i might have a relationship which is going to last multiple years yeah. and a substantial amount of money for the brand yep. at the same time a certain amount of value delivered for the consumer as well so maybe a good idea for me to just double here a little bit in this whole um segmentation lens that you have where the obvious ones the gender the age bracket the problem statement perhaps are lenses is there any other behavioral slash psychographic segmentation that you think uh, applies to people who come to your platform and is that something you're able to manifest in how you segment audience how you think about them yeah yeah so um, in fact after we did the whole um, you know repurposing of the brand sure. uh the other thing that we then picked up very closely after we made our domats influencers one thing that i drove then was actually a um, and this was an idea that actually came from the board in terms of saying that exactly what you said that 
do we know the uh, you know the person who's coming in in their 60s 50s what's happening in that person's life sure so we actually spent a lot of time doing extensive consumer work along with our dermats to kind of understand uh, the journeys that they they have personally witnessed we have something called the kaya smiles program which has you It's know the, the platinum and yeah the loyalty so the platinum and gold gold elite which is more than like 45 50% contributor to the business okay. so they are your main audiences and they are the ones who have lasted a lifetime with the brand the classic definition of the majority of your profits will come from like a small bunch of your customers absolutely absolutely so we kind of sat down with them and said you know exactly what you said what was your initiation into the brand what made you come sure. what made you stay you know what do you like about the brand and what's happening in your life like you know when you came in your 20s what was happening when you you know sure. continued with your 30s what happened mm. then we kind of you know cross reference this with the kind of services that picked up or the sure. services that they stopped taking and the new services that they started picking mm. up or the cross pollination between uh, you know the kind of uh, journeys that they were also going through sure. not just from a monetary sense Mm. uh then also playbacks in terms of what they were communicating their motivators at every stage sure. i'm getting this done because right. or you know this makes me feel a certain way i need to do this because and and right. that kept wearing at every stage you know one when you're underconfident to two when you're busy and stressed out three when you know emptiness and like there's so much happening at every stage and you can't just say i'll give you 50% off i'll give Absolutely. you a bogo i mean that's a most ridiculous thing Absolutely. a brand can be doing so we actually have a beautifully crafted brand book mm -hmm. that we have created that actually has each of these personas listed down in depth with all of this information including dermatolet services like including products that they pick up including therapy led services along with these you know slice of life content in terms of what it is so this can kind of be used then everywhere without diluting anything absolutely very fascinating and that's what i would probably want to zoom in even further on this to say that okay on one side you did all of this research to understand these patterns and this usage needs and these consumer stories and their life slices right on the other side you have to manifest this into every new customer that comes in yeah. so in some sense while of course the user's behavior over a multi year period will tell you a lot what is it that you capture on the day zero or the first interaction which helps you let's say bucket or place the user in some sort of a yeah. direction because on the the earliest you can be sensitive to their needs the better it gets for you as a brand right. and the more you know about them the more effective you can be but if you ask too many questions that also is a bit of a pushback correct so how do you draw a line between let's say gathering more meaningful data only for transactions because transactions will yeah. take time so let's just say if you were to do a bit of a consumer profiling study and people yeah. don't like to fill out surveys yeah. what is your lens on gathering information this is interesting and i think this is true for not just uh you know my last brand that i sure. worked on which was kaya but it was also true at baskin robbins it is also like so many marketers that i've met at various forums sure. we know we've had similar conversations um stating that how do you capture information because all this um, what's the right way to articulate you know all the tech savviness the data analytics the brains and not the brains but yeah all of this uh, a uh, very savviness i think that's only what is coming to my mind <laughs> right now that exists with the head office team you know the mm. marketing team the digital team right. um you know agencies uh, such as you all you know partners that mm. we work with uh that is up there mm. and then when you go down to the basic your moment of truth is actually happening on the shop floor Correct. it's happening with the sales person who's present there and if you make the mistake of not training that person to capture data in the right fashion 
without being intrusive like you said or Absolutely. without being intimidated you know without like getting making sure that the client runs off well that's the right right way yeah, to kind of do it right? second is that person then technically sound enough to even or do you have a system that is so easy that is not wasting their time because one thing that anybody on any shop floor will pay, play back and tell you is that time is money literally Correct. for them and they don't want to be wasting their time filling in lots of information like forget the customer but yeah, your own ops team will not want to do that because mm. and rightly so um so i think the faster we understand that and that's what has been my endeavor in mm. both places how do you kind of simplify the life of the person who's ultimately going to generate that revenue for you so samikta also spent a bunch of time at uh, the indulgence category at baskin robbins and um, that's a very interesting brand i've had fairly interesting memories of it from my times at college and all that and from the lens of tier 2 cities tier 1 cities consumer behavior generational changes that's also a very interesting diversity of audiences you're talking to today and what is that unified story that you spoke about that the brand needs to resonate with and then how do you manifest it across multiple uh, media simply because the generations need to be spoken to differently so what is the story there perfect so um i'm going to start with where you opened the conversation with for baskin where you said you have memories about it absolutely that's really where the brand was with millennials sure um so when i joined the brand the brand didn't have a strong digital presence at sure. that point in time uh the brand was still selling from you know the parlors and the gt and mt those channels were all in place hmm. um but they, we were not listed on any aggregator platform at okay. that point in time hmm. um and when we did a research i mean thanks to deepa i keep my starting point of any marketing journey starts with research um couple of very interesting insights came from the consumers mm. one exactly what you said nostalgic brand childhood brand post dinner walk with my parents after dinner sure. or go to the nearest baskin robbins pala uh, some 31 thing right back perfect then. choose from the 31 flavors and then enjoy my ice cream and then come back home yeah today not relevant for me anymore um uh, because today i have options of regional brands like naturals ibaco gyanis pabrice yeah. and this was not the southwest and very similar in terms of regionally very sound brands uh serving fresh fruit ice cream flavors so that is what people millennials have kind of switched sure. to yeah uh second there was a slight alienation of men happening with the brand mm -hmm. um not too sure if it was because of the color pink or otherwise but uh ice creams as a category is fairly gender agnostic but with baskin it was a 60% skew towards women so okay. that was another problem there so millennials alienated men alienated ouch okay uh, th that was big third because there was all there was a uh, there was this whole thing of not being kind of present because we not kind of gone out there and made a lot of noise of course everyone knew of the brand but it was not leading to any kind of uh, you know conversions in mm. terms of uh, mm. business impact um so then we sat down with swiggy and we made a proposition to them uh, that you know let's go uh, and this was for the first time it actually became a use case a case study after that in terms of saying that let's go 50 50 on the creative partnership as well as the media partnership day one of ipl because swiggy was the official sponsor day one sure. of ipl to the last match okay and they also had a very deep integration with hotstar at that point in time and the insight from the swiggy team was very simple um, little condescending towards men saying that men are a little lazy and at that point hotstar had that um, gamification i would take it as a matter of pride okay, please give me the best of invention <laughs> but let's get back yeah, to swiggy yeah the, the whole idea was that um, you know the whole gamification used to happen during the mm. ipl matches right. uh, on the hotstar app 
um and they didn't want to kind of leave that in order to even switch to another platform to call for food or anything right. else and come back so we get actually integrated with hotstar to say that you can just call for your food also right there on hotstar itself so wow. you really don't have to move that anyway. finger also you don't forget the couch you don't even have to see that's how innovation happens right it's perfect so that's how your tech innovation is happening um perfect. so that's where baskin got listed as well with you know our mm. uh, top mm. top skus and huh. what we also did was in order to combat these regional players we launched fresh fruit ice creams with that four top selling skus which okay. was alfonso mango fresh strawberry chiku and uh, tender coconut right. the you know the one that was most popular the most We also crafted this in a 700 ml sharing pack so that it's okay. not you know it's cricket it and everything mm-hmm. so we kind of hit all the boxes from every p possible it was kind of like you know perfect it was a punt because we went exclusive with this launch for summer and summers where summer kind of dictates Obviously, the ice cream industry and the yeah. business your summers good your sorted summer bad not on this thing so it was a punt that we kind of took brave one foolish one you can call it whatever in retrospect great one of but course. at that point we weren't too sure But this is what we did. We went exclusive with Swiggy on IPL, crafted the content, and that kind of suddenly made an offline brand online. It gave us presence everywhere because we also layered this with outdoor in twenty-two cities, mm. and um, suddenly the brand was just there across to answer your question, tier two, tier three as well. It went beyond just. Uh, your metros and tier one cities. But this suddenly drove demand also very online because if I'm saying holdings outdoor and I'm saying yeah. all of this on IPL, yeah, the first reaction of that audience is now to order it online, Correct. which is where Swiggy ends up completing that loop as well. Fully. But uh, I would imagine then the entire investment was expected to be coming back from the digital uh, demand and not so much from the offline store. So I mean, both of happened. Of course, it some. Both happened. Hmm. So f- a good, good thing. That's what I'm saying. In retrospect, you can connect the dots when things are successful. And in our case, luckily for us, it, it paid off very sure. well. This actually became a new channel of business that was then being driven by the marketing team. Uh, so this is what now makes me wonder when you spoke about the men getting alienated and the millennials getting alienated. Yeah. Uh, did that solve partly, fully, some sense? No, to a very large extent. Because for men, it became habit to call of for course. ice cream, yeah. and that's all it took. More than twenty-one days, if we were to talk about every philosophy I mean, out there. Yes. Uh, two for millennials also. They were. It was suddenly online, right? Like, mm. of course, we coupled this with social media and everywhere. So suddenly. The brand became a cool brand to resonate with, and it was no it longer had this. Also, the slash flavor, which the Correct. kids still resonate extremely well Correct. with, right? So, so obviously, there's product innovation that goes back uh, again yeah. from consumer insights lens to solve for that lens. So, you know, one of the things that I've been curious about, and I met Mr. Mohit one of these uh, yeah. events at some yeah. point, and I was very curious about the level of, uh, let's say, access to first-party data in that world and that relevance, because while of course you can do everything you want from a brand lens and yeah. storytelling lens. The first part data in that space, and that's true not just with you guys, yeah. but also with the FMCG ecosystem, is not quite there. Hmm. So everything you do is from a sampling research lens and not really from a first party engagement lens. And of late, I see a lot of brands, including people like Cadbury, people like Britannia, getting kind of a little touchy about getting more first party data into the game. Hmm. So do you see merit in FMCG ecosystem trying to get this uh, either from a sampling lens or from a dominant lens? Or how do you see this playing out? Because you know, Baskin Robbins might have set their own D2C platform, and there are now yeah. fulfillment platforms available. And all the digital marketing you do will end up getting driven there. On the other side, you have the Swiggy stores, which will not give you customer data. If you drive digital marketing traffic there, you'll never get the fulfillment Correct. information. How do you see that dichotomy playing out? I think uh, now with all of the cookie crumbling and you know all the all the conversation happening <laughs> around it, right? Um, I think it it everyone has to have their data as robust, and I think that's where you guys will play a very big role. So right? I'm curious about. <laughs> I think it's the right time for you all to kind of enter oh, everywhere, so. especially in this giant. 
FMCG space. Which is what makes me wonder. So, for instance, the Cadbury or you know Baskin Robbins also, you don't have a D2C platform or you don't intend to have one because there's no, let's say, big merit in doing that. The ticket sizes are not going to justify the logistics cost hmm. or the marketing efforts. If it's Baskin Robbins ice cream being searched online, a Swiggy is probably going to be a better click-through and conversion path than your own website. So then what do you do and how do you play it? And we've seen some examples of the joy delivery ecosystem from a Cadbury, yeah. for instance. But I don't know if it's sufficiently widespread from that lens. So should brands apply the transactional lens to the outcome to say mm. that I'm going to drive a full funnel outcome mm. and it's supposed to be a profitable, mm. let's say, ecosystem? Or is this more consumer dipstick market research kind of lens that I have at least a million odd consumers out of the 50 million that I'm interacting directly with? And I'm using that to build my personas, my patterns and whatever. And that learning becomes applicable to my larger marketing ecosystem. Hmm. I think it's an, um, that conundrum has kind of been sorted. Yeah. Probably be a conundrum maybe two, three years ago. Sure. I think today, every brand, and I don't want to like name brands no, particularly. But obviously uh, there's evolution no, I, journey. Hmm. Absolutely. And I think today, uh, you see two Indias kind of panning out, right? Okay. You have brands that were... Uh, born digital right they're they're like the gen z's they're digital natives they're the One first first people who arrived on the scene totally they are the ones now you now you look at any startup founder out there talking their growth journeys they're talking about experience touch and feel happening with their offline stores experiential stores right, right. they are talking that that narrative that fmcg talks and when you look at the big large fmcg giants they are looking at these guys and saying okay how do we now they all have their d2c platforms sure. like you said yeah. They're doing it for awareness. Probably what started as awareness, let me craft personas, has now become end-to-end fulfillment journeys yeah. as well. Even if it's catering to say 5%, 10%. Someone recently told me that, uh, you know, they're actually doing 15% of their business is coming from their own D2C platform, which is massive. For an, for FMCG, an FMCG giant to be doing that is fantastic. Huge. So clearly, I think both ends, you know, like you said, this spectrum and this spectrum need to kind of interact. I think everyone is learning, unlearning from one another. Mm. Everyone is doing everything. So offline is going online, online is going offline. No one, and I think there's no API, of course, that integrates these two worlds. I mean, unfortunately, it's a a human API that is required to connect the two worlds, which is not possible. Not yet at least. uh, Yeah, not yet at least. But yeah, I think it, everybody has to have their own data in place. I think there's no escaping that anymore. You know, that's where I get asked the question of ROI and the steps towards that. Because for brands to invest in that kind of customer data platform, unification, first-party experiences, e-commerce front-ends, fulfillment infrastructure, there's a certain, let's say, initial investment, yeah. not just from the money lens, but also from a capability lens. Because these brands never had a digital first Correct. kind of play in that Correct. sense, right? For companies who've been committed to digital as a play, of course, they've made large businesses and yeah. not just on direct-to-consumer, but also a whole bunch of these market-based engagements. Like before Baskin Robbins went with Swiggy, there's probably not enough of a business case to build an entire consumer front. Correct. Right? So from that lens, how do you see the ROI business case? Or would you define some sort of incremental steps that, okay, do this, do this, do this, and then this is going to make so much sense from this lens, and then that's how you should play it. Hmm. I, I don't think it's as... Simple as step I one, step imagine. two, step three. <laughs> I mean, I wish this is why it's a question, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no playbook, but I mm. think with every industry, every brand, you know, like uh, I've seen it play out differently at different stages as well. Um, and I think it will all start with: Do I understand my consumer? Do I know where they're dropping out? You know, do I then know what, how much nudges? You know, how much do I do without being intrusive? How much do I do? Where is that sweet spot of where I can? still get somebody back without them just blocking me and saying, I don't sure. want to interact with this brand mm. anymore. Mm. How do you ensure that you're seen everywhere, but not to the point where 
you know you become annoying that you're popping up and they're wondering if you're listening into their conversations and things like that you know like Absolutely. all of that is happening with the privacy thing going for a toss today Absolutely. so i think every brand needs to um, spend a lot of uh, you know like you said maybe not money but maybe the right skill set right. which means hiring the right people to getting the right technology in sure. place and not leaving it to it to say figure it out no marketing needs to understand and you know i think that's where the role of the marketer today has also become so much more evolved tech savvy you have to be tech savvy there is no escaping that Correct. and also what i think marketers need to understand without getting worried or scared is that it's a tool you know like long years ago somebody told me uh, you know when somebody in the rajkot warehouse right. was teaching me how to do pivot and macros on an excel sheet and he was like aap daro mat you know ye ye kuch nahi karega you can make this do whatever Correct. you want this yeah. will help you it's a weapon in your hands absolutely so i think that's exactly how ai is or anything else that is that is going to come up tomorrow is and it's to your advantage if you learn it you experiment you learn you unlearn and you use it more importantly use it i think also marketers need to understand that it's okay if you become the case study first It, it can be a failed case study it can be a successful case study but i think if you get an opportunity to be the first stop asking your agency partners iska use case kya hai nahi hoga use case it's okay why don't you be the first one to do it you know somewhere the other sandeep you've been very bold about some of these statements that comes from the track record you've won a bunch of awards you've taken the baskin robbins things like with swiggy which was like a giant initiative so it was a pun that played out well so in some sense you've made some of these bold and risky moves fairly naturally and instinctively and which is why i think all marketers should be able to do it by default But I don't know if everybody will be able to do this so uh, casually to say that this is like there's no escaping this. I don't think it's casual. See, it's like oh, yeah, a child. It's casual, but perhaps the 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 ease at which you're saying all of this seems. No, I'll tell you why. Because what happens when you are a child? You're curious, right? You're naturally curious. You're not curbing your curio curiosity to say I will ask only so many questions. मैं दो वाई पूछने के बाद छुप बैठूंगा नो जब तक आपको आंसर नहीं मिलता यू वाई 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 hate the word vendor nobody is a vendor yeah. right you are working with people who know more than you and i think that's where you need to be intelligent in picking partners who are complete subject matter experts you know, and you work well lens. with them you know other things i have learned again from a cmo that i spoke to they've obviously been around for 15 years 20 years and you've been around for a fairly bit of time as well what tends to happen with this whole technology slash data things coming in this bunch of service providers each of them will have their own sales pitch and story as to why they'll change the world yeah. for you and as a marketer who's not been let's say deeply familiar with some of these things it can get very easily overwhelming and confusing as to how to make that choice correct so when you say that you know choose the right partners and there yeah. are five people pitching me the same story yeah. how do you evaluate partners i think it's it's fairly uh, complicated i wouldn't deny that <laughs> it's not easy and uh, that's where you do your research as well really well Like Would you one call peer conversation does your EFF research. What is peer conversation? Uh, when you attend forums, you ask other people hmm. who are they talking to. You have a lot of uh, communities today where you can kind of reach out to people, and there are 
active recommendations by the way happening in terms of, of uh, which partner you should be going with mm. um, and there's no escaping uh, studying i think one thing i learned from my uh, stint at abbott and my stint now at kaya uh, looking at the medical fraternity i think that's a very fascinating uh, well, you know sure. world uh, doctors are constantly studying because the technology there is constantly evolving you know yesterday what used to be like you know a full fledged surgery today is being done by robotics right a doctor has to stay on top of her or his game by constantly unlearning what they learned in medical school and then getting familiar with new technology and and imagine you are you're not doing ab testing you are experimenting <laughs> on somebody's, somebody's life, life of course right um and they constantly doing that they want to study a doctor at any age is always studying and i think for me that's been a huge inspiration in terms of uh, you know how i operate as a person because the more you study the more you are familiar with things the more uh, then your ability to like you said discern what's you know where someone is just selling something to me versus where someone actually wants to partner with me and help my brand grow hmm. i think then you can take those decisions but if you walk into a meeting without doing your homework first without preparing first and then you expect the person across the table to just explain things to you then you it's not going to work you might just be in for a ride at some points absolutely so somewhere or the other resistance might falter but that's a risk you have to be prepared to take because yeah. that's a learning curve and it might still not work you might do all okay. the effort and it might still uh, colossally fail which is okay i mean your risk appetite needs to be as high as well In some senses, the market is very prepared to learn sometimes by taking risks because that's the only way to grow. Yeah. Because otherwise, you'll end up stagnating and perhaps risk becoming irrelevant given the times they're in. Yeah. Because you use the word inevitable is where I'm saying that if you're not crossing over to the side of yeah. accepting that technology is going to be a part of my life, yeah. Then you risk being irrelevant. Absolute. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you know what's amazing, Samyukta, is you've been a marketer who's one cans lines before so you've been the storyteller the creative person all of those let's just go back to that side of your life for a moment and understand what was the creative journey around those awards what was the insights and what was the journey perfect so uh, yeah i think like i said big believer in consumer consumer insights understanding them really well and uh, i think the three times that i kind of got to go to can as well was uh, largely based on very simplistic consumer insights so for example um the idea that actually uh, got me to can in the first place was about uh, was for vaseline and uh, the whole concept being I'm, and it was called I'm more than my face so basically the currency for beauty in india has always been face the beauty industry sure. is always focused on everything to do with the face and all your brands all your products everything is kind of built around it sure uh we wanted to get into body in a big way which nobody in india had done at that point in time and uh, this campaign actually then focused on working with very uh, strong women across different fields you know whether sure. it was shakti mohan uh, who had just won dance india dance or whether it was mayanti langar who had just come into the scene you know with the whole uh, cricket's yep. uh, place and we actually did like and then we had uh, dr aparna santanam who's incidentally the medical head of kaya right now <laughs> um and uh, she was the leading dermatologist and we actually did an a global idea activation workshop on i'm more than my face and everybody's narratives on you know when i'm making a presentation to a team full of people or when i'm holding a mic and speaking to an entire audience of cricket fans you know or when i'm performing on stage where i'm using my body in order to showcase my strength and abilities mm-hmm. as a woman 
and that was the whole idea of I'm more than my face. So that was the first Isn't step. Stuff brand managers dream of, right? This yeah. is the exact kind of work you would have loved to have in your resume, and you have it. Yeah, thank you. So that's actually what paved the way for a lot of launches that we then ended up doing in the space because it became a business uh, currency for the brand itself. After that, you know, in terms sure, of, of all all the categories that you can imagine. Uh, within body kind of happened, whether it was moisturization, hydration, skin lightening, everything kind of, you know, drew parallels from here. Awesome. Um, and again, based on a cultural insight. Second one, um, which actually then took us there was um, uh, this very simple idea. And this actually came from, uh, you know, my house help. And uh, because she would, she would say, you know, which brand of detergent to buy. Uh, which brand of, uh, you know, uh, whatever, your vessel washing, mm, uh, mm. you know, soap to buy. Mm. Everything is something that, and I, you realize that in the household care category segment, and I was at Levers even at that point in time, the the whole uh, concept of household care in India always spoke to the woman of the house thinking that she's the one taking the decision. Sure. But the reality is that the decision is always taken by the house help. Okay. Because the soap that she's comfortable with, the soap that she feels is, you know, going to clean best, the soap that she feels is safe on her hands, is the one that kind of ends up being bought into the house. Sure. So that moment of truth, you know, we were talking about funnel conversion yeah, and all of yeah. that. Um, it changes, that flip happens at that level. It sure. doesn't happen right at the top, you know. Interesting. So then the whole idea was that how do we now get to uh, that person at various touch points? You know, where does she shop? Where does she interact? What is she watching? What is the content that she is viewing? And let us now start talking yeah. to a, a cohort that you wouldn't imagine otherwise, you know, kind of using as an influence. Talk, would your ads show the house help? No, it wouldn't. It, it would, would just talk to her, telling her why this brand is fantastic. Mm. You know, so the whole idea was that uh, we talk so much about, you know, who sh who the cohort should be. Sometimes, you know, yeah, you're completely missing lost. missing the boat on who Absolutely. you should be talking to. Uh, the third time, and this is the one where... Uh, uh, we actually ended up winning India her very first um, Young Can Lions Awards in 61 years. So India had been participating in the Young Lions Awards for 61 years. Um, and it has seven different categories under it. Hmm. So nobody had ever won it from India. India had never won a medal there. Okay. And this is the one where we were literally representing Team India. So there was no name. So it was me and a colleague of mine who kind of went there. Um, and we were representing the country, so it was just a flag. So we almost felt like, you know, sports wow, people ref representing yeah. the country. Uh, we were put in a room just like we're sitting in right now uh, for 24 hours with uh, sheets of A4-sized papers. And uh, WFP had come up with this whole thing of saying that, uh, I feel so old, by 2020, we want to eradicate, you know, hunger. But the okay. whole idea was that, you know, one in every three uh, person goes hungry in this world and how do we kind of eradicate world food hunger mm. that was a whole whole idea was that we leveraged on um, Unilever's uh, Kisan uh, you know to kind of uh, come up with a campaign called the yellow lunchbox okay so the idea was very simple basically um, when mums pack uh, you know the dabba for the child uh, they always give a little extra thinking, my child will get hungry, let there be that half roti extra, one sure. roti extra kind mm, of, a, that's mm. really how the pack happens. So the whole idea was that, that extra, if you can pack it in a separate box, right. and we'll, we'll distribute these yellow lunch boxes across mm, these different mm, schools, mm. and we'll have these stands placed in schools, where then we leverage the, there was no Swiggy Zomato back then, so the whole idea was we will pilot it in Mumbai, 
and we actually explained to the can audience the six sigma the dabba walas of mumbai and how we would kind of leverage on that network to come pick up the dabba जियो टैगेट टू द क्लोजेस्ट म्यूनसिपैलिटी स्कूल दैट वॉज नेक्स्ट टू द यू नो स्कूल दैट वॉज दैट यू नो वेदर चाइल्ड कुड एक्चुअली कॉन्ट्रीब्यूट सो यू आर एक्चुअली फीडिंग अ चाइल्ड एवरी सिंगल डे जस्ट टू दैट एक्स्ट्रा फूड दैट यूर गिविंग योर चाइल्ड इंस्टेड यूर जस्ट फीडिंग अनादर किड यू नो एंड समी इज नॉट गोइंग हंग्री बिकॉज ऑफ दैट सो दैट इज द आइडिया दैट एक्चुअली वन इंडिया दी Well, the metal for the first time that year. So, so. I mean, all three of them seems fairly interesting and fairly, it's creative and inspiring at the same time. So, congratulations once Thank again you. on that achievement. We had a very interesting conversation. I think we spanned a bunch of industries, but I think I learned a lot. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely awesome. enjoyed it.